All right, thanks, band. Welcome, church. My name is Alan. So glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day, as has already been declared. And I just want to say I'm proud of you, dads, because here this is your day. You get to do whatever you want, and you're here in church. I'm impressed. Now, maybe some of you, after I say that, you're going, I had a choice. (laughs) Uh, But you're here now. And uh, you really don't have much of an option. You're stuck for the next little bit. But uh, once again, happy Father's Day. If you are new or visiting with us, we are in a year-long series called The Whole Shebang. And we're looking at different characters in God's overall story, the grand, epic, big story. And the character that we are looking at today is a guy named Peter. Now, Peter was a particularly aggressive guy. He's the guy who stuck his neck out many times when others wouldn't. When Jesus was walking on the water and he freaked everybody, freaked the disciples out on the boat, Peter was the one and only guy who hopped out of the boat and walked on water. When Jesus at one point gathered with his disciples and said, who do people say that I am? That's kind of a safe question. And many of the disciples were saying, well, they say you're this, they say you're that. Then Jesus asked the more dangerous question, said, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the first one to jump in. You are the Christ. Boom. Nice job. Good answer, Peter. Good work. He's the one who first jumped in. Then there's another time where Jesus, before his death on the cross, the night before Uh, that he gathered with his disciples and he went to wash the feet of his disciples. And Peter was the first one to step forward and say, Jesus, you will not wash my feet. There's no way I'll let you do that. Eh, Wrong answer, Peter. But again, he was the one who stepped out. Whether he was right or wrong, he's the one who stepped out. That night in the garden when the soldier came to take Jesus, Peter was the one who stepped out and cut the ear off the soldier. And, uh, and Jesus once again reprimanded him, said, no, that's not what we're doing here. That's not the plan. And then after Jesus ascended into heaven, and then there was Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, boom, the Holy Spirit came down, and weird things were happening. And, uh, and Peter was the one, after all that, Peter was the one who stood up before the people and started talking. He's the one who was courageous enough to stand up and talk. G- uh, P- uh, Peter was a man's man. He was a leader among the disciples. He was a leader among his equals. In the Gospels, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each of them contain a list of the 12 disciples. And in each of those lists, Peter is the first one mentioned. Peter is a vigorous, self-confident, hot-tempered, impulsive guy. What better character for us to take a look at on Father's Day than Peter? That's where we're going today. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, thanks for the men who are in this room, the fathers. Uh, We are all uh, uh, stumbling at times and uh, enjoying at times this role that you have entrusted to us. And so uh, I do pray a blessing on... um, Dads here, once again, God, would you bless uh, our efforts as fathers? And God, it's a beautiful picture that you paint in Scripture when you invite us to call you Father. So today, we want to say Happy Father's Day. We want you to come and father us. Would you speak to us? Would you mold and shape, transform our character according to the character of your son, Jesus? It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
Well, as we are going through this series, what we're doing is looking at a character and then looking at a character trait of that person and trying to see what God wants to teach us through that journey. The character this morning is Peter, and the character trait is a big one. This is a big one. Now, you may be thinking, wait, Alan, you say that every week. No, but this time I mean it. This this is a big one. This is a character issue that each of our parents has wanted to work on in us at some point in our journey. Maybe it's been effective, maybe not so effective. Whatever your background, uh, what, wherever, wherever you're from. This is one that every teacher has wanted, had, has wanted to have some kind of say in terms of developing this part of your character. This is one that has been a major contributing factor in terms of whether you have kept jobs in the past or lost jobs in the past. This will be a major factor in terms of you thriving in your current job as things move into the future. This will be a major factor for those of you who are seeking relationship with uh, somebody else. And as far as how the whole dating process goes, this is a major factor for those of you who want to have a long-term, healthy, sustained re- relationship in your marriage as you move forward. This is a big one. Big dog. One word. Suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect. This is such a huge, huge issue, and I think this was a major issue for Peter in his journey. Peter was a passionate guy, a passionate guy, and I think that Jesus loved Peter's passion. Never do we see Jesus trying to squelch his passion or say, no, 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 you're not supposed to be that way. Often Jesus would redirect Peter's passion, want to kind of reform it, but he didn't want to squelch it. I don't know about you, but when I interact with people, work with people, I would much rather work with someone who is passionate, whose edges need to be trimmed off a little bit, than work with someone who is passive, who needs to have a fire lit under their butt to get them to do anything. Would you agree? Peter was a passionate guy. He was a bull in a china shop kind of guy. He was a take the bull by the horns kind of guy. A man's man. And I think that the character development issue for him was that in the midst of his passion, in the midst of his wanting to go for it, that God wanted to remind him that in that journey you need to respect others. It is imperative that we respect one another in this journey. And I think we see this in the letters that we find by his name, that bear his name in the New Testament. There are two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And uh, I think that in reading through these letters, which were written by Peter later on in life, when he was more mature, when he was more uh, developed, there was this character issue that God had been working on in him. We see in, his, in the story in the Gospels of of his needing to learn this respect issue, and I think that we see him learning it to a great deal as he moves towards writing the two letters that he has in the New Testament. And what he's doing is he's writing to the church, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, he in turn is writing to us today, saying we need to respect one another. Now, would you say... In your journey of life, would you say that there has been a deterioration of respect in our world? 
I mean, would you say that things have changed in terms of respect during your time here? If you are a supervisor or a boss, are there ever times where you think, wow, I would never have said that to my boss? You ever thought that? As a parent, as a teacher, have you ever thought, man, I, I wasn't perfect, but I would never have said that or done that. Now, if you're thinking that, um, did you forget how disrespectful and arrogant you were? Or have things really changed? Here's an example that uh, pops up for me. Just I live here in the area real close to DV. Lots of high school students are uh, crossing streets as I'm getting in and out of my uh, neighborhood and the whole deal. So I, I just kind of see high school students a number of times. And I'm surprised at how they respond to my vehicle when they are crossing the street in front of me. I'm not talking about at, 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 the, at a crosswalk. I'm talking about jaywalking in the middle of the street. I'm okay with jaywalking, you know, on these side roads. That's totally fine. But I'm not sure I'm okay with their response to my vehicle. I drive a 5,000-pound Honda Accord. And when this vehicle comes in, they don't seem to respond to it the way that I would expect. If, if, if somebody's walking across the street and there's a car coming, I would expect the the kind of uh, quick little jog, maybe even a little wave, like, got it, got it. See, see, that's not too much to ask. All I'm asking is two sped-up steps. That's all I need. It's just an indication that I'm aware that you're there. A two, all I want is two steps. If it's just, that's good for me. That's all I need. That's all I need. But so often the students, they're walking across, and they see me, and their pace doesn't change. And I just think, what if I just hit one? No. I don't. I don't. I don't think that. God love. It's just this, this odd sense of, of, do they really kind of respect this thing that I'm driving that they really need to get out of the way? It's, it's kind of a, 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 a puzzling thing for me. Another example of... of um, uh, respect that I, I question is this phrase, with all due respect. When I get an email and there is a paragraph that starts with the phrase, with all due respect, I buckle up. <laughs> because what that phrase means is, okay, I'm going to say with all due respect, and then I can say whatever the huh I want to say after that. Boom, I can just lay it all out. With all due respect, Alan, I think you're a complete imbecile. Really, where, where did the respect part where, where, how, where does that fit in the whole deal? One final example is kind of a more of a current event example. You may have heard about uh, a city in Western Canada called Vancouver. You may have heard of that city. And, and uh, there have been some uh, activities going on there, some uh, rioting. And for me, it's a simple equation that if you take 100,000 fans in a Canadian city that just lost the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final after not winning the Stanley Cup as a country for 18 years, if you take that and you add large amounts of Molson Canadian, what you have is chaos uh, up there in Western Canada. Now, for me, I don't. there's a lot of disrespect that I think is happening with the folks there. And just so you know, people have asked me, none of them are my family. When I was watching those videos, I never saw any of my family. 
uh, on any of those videos there. But it's just such a strange concept to say, oh, darn, we lost the game. Let's flip over a police car. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how those things uh, trans transition across. But now that one there, that is not connected to our generation. That could have happened multiple different cities, different countries, different sports, different generations. That may not be connected to the here and now. But I think it's reasonable to ask the question, where is respect in our culture? Is, where, what is the role of respect? And I think what Peter models for us is just the blazing reality that persons of character treat other people and, other, and the things of other people with respect. Now, here's the kicker. That respect is not something that is to be deserved. It's something that is to be assigned. Now, here's where the title comes in. Assigned, not deserved. Sometimes respect is scarce for us because we want to hold it back until someone has proven worthy of our respect. So the power that we hold there is that we get to decide what is worthy of our respect. So we hold it back, and then we say, okay, okay, I'll put a little bit over there. And what I think is the power of respect is saying, no, I am going to freely give respect to you. A stranger shouldn't need to earn our respect. A stranger that we meet, whatever our circumstances, is someone that should be freely given, assigned our respect. That that's the way I think Peter is challenging through his letters, is that we would show respect to those we're doing life with to those we interact with in life, that we would show respect. Okay, let's take a look at it in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter is a little book found near the end of the New Testament. We were in James last week, and 1 Peter is directly following the book of James. Revelation, too far. Hebrews, keep on going a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm beginning to read in verse 13. 1 Peter 2, 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Jump down to verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. How are you doing in terms of respecting those who have authority over you? Now, I'm not talking about your thoughts of whether or not they deserve it and the reasons that they don't deserve it. Just kind of set that aside for a moment. Just in terms of you assigning respect to those who are in authority, how are you doing with that one? This is a big deal. A number of years ago, we were in the process of hiring a worship pastor here. And there were a number of people that we had talked with, and for whatever reasons, they were not available. And so that's how we ended up um, settling for Marsh. And so that's where we are right now. <laughs> we were kind of hoping for somebody with multiple Grammys. I guess one is good enough. But, but, but anyway, in that process... 
we invited a, a, a gentleman to come over and as part of the interview process. You never got to meet him because he never got to the point of where he was leading worship. But he, we flew him over, and I just had conversations with him. It was all part of the, part of the process of, of, of that journey. And I really liked this guy, enjoyed a lot of things about him. But on the lunch that I had with him, before I dropped him off uh, at the airport, I asked him about his current employer, about his current employer. And so he just instantly just went into this kind of frustration and struggle that he was having with his current employer. Now, it's okay to say that, you know, a relationship is struggling, but it's not okay for that communication to be disrespectful. And that's what he was. He just called him incompetent and said, I just can't wait to get away from there and the whole deal. That's how this conversation went. And until that point, it was going decently. Warning, warning. Red light, bing, 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 major warning sign. It is a major character issue the way that we talk about those who are in authority in our lives. It is a character issue. And character is a major issue in terms of the hiring process. We embrace what we call the three C's. There is um, competence, there's chemistry, and there's character. In terms of competence, there's a little bit of wiggle room there because if there's somebody that we really connect with, uh, maybe somebody can come in and they can get some training and they can develop here and they, we, we can grow together as a team. Great. In terms of chemistry, that's very subjective. And so that one's a little bit harder to kind of put our finger on. And maybe there's chemistry with some people but not chemistry with others. And we're going to try to figure that out. It's super important. Chemistry is super important, but there's a little bit of wiggle room there too. But character, none. None. I mean, it's an absolute deal breaker, the character issue. If you're not showing respect to the person you're currently employed with, what makes me think you're going to show respect with the persons that you want to be employed with? It, it, is a, it is a major issue how we view, respond to, think about, talk about, those that are in authority over us. Now, if this is your church and you've been here for a while, you've been part of our whole shebang stuff, I, I want to throw out a few words of encouragement and affirmation to you. If you are choosing to be a part of this community, if you have made that choice, then on some level, you have invited me to be a spiritual authority in your life. I know that might frighten you. Uh, just publicly stating that. But there is some level of invitation that you've made for me to be a spiritual authority in your life. And let me just tell you how I have felt incredibly honored and respected in, that, in this journey with you. That we have been talking about the whole shebang, God's story. We've broken it up into chunks, significant chunks. We've looked at significant movements in God's story at character issues. And no, and no time have I felt like you have been saying, you better get this one right, Alan. No time did I feel like you are kind of crossing your arms going, uh, let's see, if you're going to talk about David, you you better be talking, better be mentioning this, 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 and this. See, I don't feel that from you. I don't feel that you are judging or evaluating the process. I feel that many of you come, you open up your books, and you say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? What's going on? I'm open. And I love it. And I think, 
I think it is, it's huge for us. There's thousands of different ways we can go about God's story and exactly how we can tell this and, and which characters we choose and how we go about doing that. And you understand this. I think it's part of the reason that this journey has been healthy and has been a journey of growth for us and for me as well. And I've very much enjoyed it. I've told other people about this respect that you've shown about, about this process, but I don't think I've ever told you. So I thought, as we were talking about authority, I thought I'd make a mention to you. So thank you. Nice job. You guys are doing well. So, okay. Uh, just keep it up. Um, respect is, is a major issue in terms of the authority piece. And what happens in chapter 3, Peter then introduces the importance of respect in terms of the marriage relationship. 1 Peter chapter 3, he starts off saying, Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Jump down to verse 7. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now we've got to be careful with these verses here. Sometimes men of low character have used these verses under the Christian veneer of being a weapon towards women. Saying, well, it says right there that I get to have power over you as the weaker partner. See, that's not how a man would read this. That's how a boy might read this. You see, men are protectors and boys are predators. A, a, a boy looks at a woman and says, I want to get that. I want to get it. I want to get her. But a man says, I want to use any strength that I have to protect something that is very special. Now, the whole weaker partner piece is, is a little tricky. Um, there are areas where my wife is stronger than me, fortunately, for our family's sake. And there are areas where I'm stronger than her. Physically, I can still take her. which I'm hanging on to. But there, there, there are areas on, on both sides of that, and the way I interpret this weaker partner thing is, is not that, that I have uh, dominance over her, but that it is in our best interest for me to look upon her as a priceless, valuable Ming vase. And that when I make efforts, when I make efforts to treat her that way, she doesn't complain when I treat her as a valuable, precious gift from God. When, when the respect piece drifts from our marriage, we are in so much trouble. And this issue, the, the title here is in terms of it, of respect, not having to be deserved but be assigned, it is no more relevant than in marriage. That respect is something we are to freely give to one another. Husbands, let me ask you, do you think your wives need to earn your love? Or is your love supposed to be given to her regardless of the circumstances? 
Similarly, wives, do you think your husbands need to earn your respect or is it your role to respect them as you continue in covenant with them? Love and respect are, th- are not things that we're supposed to hold back on and just kind of give when we feel like it. That is a power trip. They are supposed to be given. When they're not given, marriage, marriages struggle. Respect one another. Paul, elsewhere in Romans, he says, outdo one another in showing respect. I was, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of, about a couple that I met with prior to uh, marriage, this kind of premarital journey that I went with them, and they were kind of extraordinary. When he would talk and she would, she would try to jump in, he would shush her. And, and they're sitting in my office, and she would try to talk, and he'd go, shh, shh, shh. He, he didn't do the fingers, but he, but he did, he did shh, shh. And then it, periodically when she would find the courage to break through the shh and actually offer a sentence, he said, and I'm not kidding, he said, uh, am I talking? I think I'm talking. I'm quite sure actually that I'm talking. And then I'm sitting in the office going, you know, I got to reel the jaw back up as this is happening. Unbelievable. This is kind of an extreme situation, but there are versions of that, small versions of that, that are maybe not quite as laughable that show up sometimes in our relationships. And I think what Peter's saying here is it is so important for respect to show up in marriage because it all starts there. It starts in marriage, and then, and then often the marriage turns into a family. And it starts with the family. The family is the core unit of civilization. And respect is to to be honed and nurtured in that place. We can't expect people to go outside of the family place and learn respect in all these other places. Learn it in school. They don't have respect 101 in college. That it is taught in the home. That's why I believe it made the top ten list. In the Old Testament... God offered the Ten Commandments, and he says in one of them, honor your father and mother, because this is the core unit. This is the core place. Honor your father and mother. Learn at a young age to respect mom and dad, whether they deserve it or not. This doesn't mean we do everything that that they say, but it means we always respect them in the process. Always respect. That's why it's the role for us as parents to teach our kids respect. Now it's Father's Day. What would a Father's Day be like without a challenge for the dads? Okay, so here's the challenge, dads. Here's the challenge. Lead your families. Lead your families. Lead your families. When your son rolls his eyes and says, I don't want to be a part of this conversation and starts to walk away, don't let him. You continue. You stay in that conversation. We can decide to continue it later, but you're not allowed to just walk away. When your little girl is wearing things that are inappropriate, that she should not be wearing outside of the home or even inside of the home, don't let her. 
It's okay as a dad to say, we are not going to talk like that in this house. It's okay to say that. Your kids need you to say that for their character development. It's okay to say, we are not going to talk like that to your mom. You are not going to do that here. She needs you to say that. Now, I'm not saying this in, ter in terms of shame and boom, oh, here are the things that I've done as a dad that have not developed uh, respect here in our home. No, that's not, the, that's not the, the plan here. The plan here is to encourage you to go for it, to be empowered dads, to lead your families. This is what you want to do anyway. You want the respect in the home anyway, don't you? So be empowered. Go for it. You've been invited by God to enter into that role. Do it and do it well. You can do it. A little please, a little thank you, a little mister, a little missus, whatever it might look like, those can go a long way in terms of developing respect from little up, 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 up as the kids grow. Now, I know this is not rocket science. And, well, frankly, next week won't be about rocket science either because I don't know anything about rocket science. <laughs> and this is really simple, just... Respect other people. Everyone deserves respect. Okay. Now, this just kind of seems so simple. And wherever you are in your journey uh, in terms of how respectful you are and how you've poured that into those who are under your authority, wherever you are with that, I think we'd all pretty much agree that, a, that, that health in a, in a civilized community involves mutual respect, involves respecting other people. It's part of the Constitution. It's absolutely a part of the fabric of life. It's kind of assumed, whether we do it or not, it's kind of assumed that that's an important value. You know where that value comes from? Jesus. It wasn't here prior to Jesus. Before Jesus, it was an unheard of concept to say everyone is valued. Everyone deserves respect. It didn't exist before Jesus came and started a revolution of love and said, we're going to do this different. This was a revolutionary thought that Jesus introduced into humanity. And Peter, one of the strongest leaders of the revolution that followed after Christ ascended into heaven, Peter himself was transformed by this need for respect. And he himself says, we already read it in chapter 2, it says, show proper respect to everyone. Show proper respect to everyone, even the people we don't feel like it. That we don't give respect because it's deserved. We give it because we've chosen to assign it to somebody. Is there somebody in your life that you have a hard time assigning respect to? Maybe that's the challenge today that we would freely give. It's a crazy thought. It's a revolutionary idea started by the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that this revolutionary idea would take shape in us. That some here in this room, perhaps there is a person or a group of people to whom they, they, they struggle to give respect. And so, God, I pray that there would be a transformation that happens, that we would learn how to 
assign respect and not just wait for people to deserve it. God, I pray that there would be an overflow of respect that, is, that flows back and forth from husbands and wives and the marriages that are represented in this room. There would be an overflow of love that each of us would outdo one another in showing love and outdo one another in showing respect and showing honor. Father, there are times where this, this, this just seems countercultural. It just seems counterintuitive for us to, to offer respect. And in those radical moments, God, would you give us strength and courage and power according to the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a fantastic Father's Day, and uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>